This is a Strategist episode 977. My name is Zane Velji. With me as always, Corey Hogan, Stephen Carter. Guys, what is going on? Um, well, my AFL predictions were going great, and then Sunday happened, and I fell apart. I just fell apart. Like, went 0 for 3 on Sunday. So, now I'm in second place in big, my pool. Big slap in the face. Uh, Corey, <laughs> how are you doing? I'm doing fine. I feel like that was an Oscars reference. I feel like you were talking about uh, Chris Rock getting slapped in the face by Will Smith. Oh, I don't know what, if what you heard this. A little how, obscure. Clever would I, how clever would I be if I, if I were able to shoot that in the first Hold uh, on. Like 15 what, seconds? What happened? Oh, it, so uh, it's complicated. Uh, what you need to know is both were in the right. Uh, they're both heroes, and nobody is mad at either party. Okay, cool. Yeah. yeah. Make sure to drop that in every cocktail party you go to for the next I'm bit. probably just going to post that straight away to Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? Everyone has a take. I don't know why it should stop you, Carter. I'm just going to post it straight away. Let me write this tweet for you right now. Okay, go ahead, Corey. I support them both equally. Both great guys who did great things. Yeah. Okay, I'm and writing And continue it. to do Hang great on. things. They're on in. Yeah. Hang on. I wasn't in Twitter. Okay. I support them both equally. Both great guys who did great things. And we'll continue to do and, great things. And, uh, you know, it's, that's too much. Like, it's that's just, a little too much. Yeah, it's too right. much. There's then, a bit of an art to it, yeah. which I, I sometimes miss. Is that a semicolon? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that works. I think so. That's fine. It's good. Yeah. Yeah. I just fired I can, away. I can hear you typing. Hang on. It's exciting. I'm just, I'm just getting ready to post it. Probably going to have to take this is, down This right is now. a visual medium, and it, it really uh, – people love long pauses, too. These are two things that podcasts Listen, are one You two can keep talking. I'm, uh... Well, you know, I'm Corey, just... what we should talk about, the Strategist Presents that Strategist Live brought to you by the Strategist. Any update you have for the fine people? Uh, well, it's over 90% sold out, so... Of our new venue, of our to new be clear. Venue. Of our new oh, venue, look, yeah. So... Look, look at that. So, you know, if you want tickets, you act now or don't. We don't care. It's over 90% sold out, so who gives a fuck? It's going to look full either way. Our, our egos will be fine, so... Mm-hmm. Come, don't, don't come. Know. We don't care. Unless you already now, bought tickets, in which case, please come, because if it's yeah, less than 90% sold out... Yeah, that's going to be... Bad. That will actually be pretty bad. So And frankly, that will create a terrible show, because we will reference that the entire time. It'd be perpetually flop sweat. Like, we'll be out there saying, oh, geez, we expected more people. All these empty seats. Yeah. No one's actually coming. They just wanted to give us 25 bucks. In 975 to Arts Commons, yes. Yeah. 975 okay. to Arts Commons. It's all working out. I just Carter, want to make back tweet? my 2500 bucks. That's all I really care about. Is the tweet sent, Carter? Tweet's up. Tweet's oh, up. Oh. Wonderful. Thank you, Carter, yeah. for your okay. take and your We'll see where this goes. We'll see where this goes. We'll see where this goes indeed. Maybe you should have quoted. You don't let me you, move on. Please. He, go ahead. He, he tagged me. He said that I was the guy who said this, which is only okay. technically true. <laughs> now, in fairness, Wait. I didn't reference Rock and, uh, and Smith. So I think you're going to get passed. I think we can, we can pass it off as you were referring to Zane and I. Uh, yeah. yeah Nobody's going to believe that. Now I have to read this. Uh, yeah. I support them equally. Both great guys have done a great thing. Why is it co- oh, okay? Because Corey, I see. Yeah, I see. Okay, it's a, it's a quote uh, attributed oh, to me. That's good. Okay. Oh, wonderful, yeah. wonderful, very good, uh, fantastic, great content, guys. Great, great. <laughs> Three minutes and thirty-six seconds. Let's move it on to our first segment. Our first segment: cleaning for the cleaners, guys. It is Ooh. time. It is our annual spring cleaning episode. Corey, Stephen, we do this every year. We do this every year. It is time for spring cleaning. 
Carter, you were going to say something. I'm always ready for spring cleaning, but I was thinking, you know, I have to actually start my spring cleaning. So this is good. This is a good reminder. So thank you, Zane. After spring break, on the first episode, after spring break, we always do our annual spring cleaning episode. This allows us, of course, at the Strategist Podcast, to give advice to political parties, to give them a, uh, a sense of scope in terms of how much clean do they need, mm-hmm. based on, of course, strategy, messaging, uh, personnel, direction. Uh, so here's how it works, of course. I mean, you guys know the rules, but let me explain it to our dear listeners uh, who've had to endure Stephen Carter tweeting <laughs> and having Corey... That's uh, so how we filter out the fake fans. We just want the true fans here. Yeah, this is exactly. true. We have we've filtered them out. We are now here with you. Let me tell you the rules. You guys are, of course, familiar I walk you through various political parties in the country, in our province, provincial political parties. You tell me whether they need nothing done, no spring cleaning, whether they need a light dusting. You may want to write this down. I know you guys have known this every single year we do this. Yeah. Whether they need a light dusting. Corey, whether they need a damp cloth to wipe it down, or do they need a deep clean? And you're going to tell me why, based on... A cocktail of things, which include strategy, messaging, their personnel that could be elected and unelected, their direction, and the issues they're focused and prioritized on. So once again, I'll walk you through a host of political parties, national, provincial. You tell me, doing nothing? Is it a dusting? Is it a damp cloth wipe down? Or is it a deep clean a lot of Ds. Yes, Corey, you've got questions on behalf of the audience, I suspect. Yeah, the big one being, is this is this how you approach cleaning, out of curiosity? This is, this is, a this is your four choices? This is what you do? These are the four choices. You do nothing, right? Or yeah. you do a light little dusting, right? Just cosmetic, performative, perhaps. You know, your damn cloth wipe down, right? Now, there's a bunch of things in between the damn cloth wipe down and the deep clean. But the thing is, everything in between is for amateurs, where, Everything where, in between is for amateurs. Where does the sucking goes, up of the dirt with the vacuum? <laughs> Do you consider that a deep clean? That's a good question. No, I think that I'm I viewing that as the damp as a cloth. Part of, I, cons- I consider it part of the deep clean. Okay, oh, that's me, where let, you got the big you got the big unit you rented Safeway. Okay. Let me yeah. Let me paint a picture. Okay. Okay. You're in your kitchen. Let, let's paint just us use a word kitchen. picture. Saying use your words. Okay. Paint us a word. Use your words. Yeah. That's good. We, you're in your kitchen, right? Yeah. It's uh it's been about seven days. Uh, you know, you are a household of four deep people. Deep cleaning. This segment needs a right? deep cleaning. It's a deep clean. That's right. Corey's yeah. right. You take your, you know, you take everything that you have on the counters. You perhaps portion it off to one side of the the counter. You you, you do the damp cloth. That's you damp take your cloth. That's damp your cloth. New bread. You put the yeah. put the bread put in the, the bread fridge, back right? in the you fridge. Like, yeah. yeah. You put it back in the fridge. You clean it out. This is how it works, Carter. No. Do nothing, you're, dusting a, da- a damn cloth wipe down or deep clean. I mean, the the bread thing would have been shocking enough for people. This is going to be very upsetting that you're doing a, a deep clean every week. Like, for me, the deep clean is once in every – come on, let's get going oh, on this. Okay, okay. No, no, no. Yeah. Not, now you're bringing something up because this is, this is going to pain me because I think I know the answer. Uh, Carter, are you shoes in the household sort of person? God, no. Why would you wear shoes in the household? We're not Americans. We got to stand for our Canadian identity. You take the shoe off when you get to the front door, and then do what? What do you What are you in for the remainder? Slippers. Like See, he's uh, got indoor s- shoes, Zane. He is a shoes in the household guy. You no. are shoes in the slippers. household sort of person. No do slippers, slippers are- ever. T- do they ever what touch pavement? Mister fucking touch- Rogers over here. God. <laughs> 
<laughs> that's how he that's how he acted when he got questioned that's right Corey. Corey, are you uh, uh you know and i ask this because on behalf of the uh the racialized community uh to the white community uh which is exactly the the purpose of this podcast yeah. uh, people don't realize this this is questions from me to two white men uh cory are you a shoes of the household sort of family you know I'm not, but I, I will confess. The I've, fact that you stuttered I'm a little is more. I'm a little more accepting of shoes in the household than I think most. That is like, fucking. I'm insane. not going to have. Of- I'm not going to have a big problem if I need to wear my shoes and say oh walk God. through my house to get somewhere. The 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 portion of our audience that has uh, similar pigmentation to me is uh, having their collective head explode. Corey, this is insane. Shoes do not belong in the household. You need to de- do a deep clean every single day. Let's move it on to our segment. Can we start with this, Carter? We have this conversation every year, every yeah, single year when we do this segment. We do the Stephen Carter. Here's here's a list of items just so you have this in the back pocket okay. too, right? Based on a series of strategy, messaging, personnel, direction, issues. You don't have to answer on each one of these, but this is your considerations in terms of why you're offering one of these four choices. And Stephen Carter, let's start with the federal NDP. Are you giving them a do nothing? This is immaculate. This is perfect. They've polished. Are you giving them a light dusting? Are you doing a damp cloth wipe down? Or does this party need a deep clean based on the cocktail of strategy, messaging, personnel, direction, overall party direction, vision, and issues? Stephen Carter, what is it? It's a spot clean, Zane. I think what it's we need not to a s- thing, Carter. <laughs> this is not a thing. A spot clean is not a thing that fits in be- between the damp cl- uh, cloth wipe down and the deep clean, which is, of course, amateur hour. Which one of the four is it, Carter? It's not time for fucking games. I think it's a spot clean. And what you need to do is you need to focus in on the strategy. Because what I think you've got a leader that actually does connect with people, right? You've got someone who is heard, who is seen. And then you just need to kind of clean around the strategy. It's it's something that really needs focus. um, And it's the strategic direction of the federal NDP. Um, This is why we need to... You ruin this fucking segment every year. (laughs) (laughs) We need to sell video, man. Like, you're going to die right there. It's pretty amazing. But I think it's a spot clean, and I'd be shocked if Corey didn't agree with me. Corey, which one of the four uh, well-crafted Ds is it? Is it do-nothing, dusting, damn cloth wipe down, or is it a deep clean for the federal NDP? And why, Corey? Which one of the four? Which one of the four that I just put on the table is it, Corey? I'm giving you the answer. You just have to choose it. It's so fucking easy. You know, it's, it's tough to say, but it's definitely soap and bucket work. Right. <laughs> I wish damp people could see that right now. No, 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 no. I wouldn't. I wouldn't go so far as to say it's damp cloth. I don't know if it's damp cloth, but it's no, definitely soap and bucket. It's got to be. A, it's got to be a scrub brush. It's got to be a scrub brush, right? You're scrubbing. What do you mean, right? Fuck you. You're just spot cleaning. You're just, now, you're at, now you're all with them about scrub brushes. Get fucked, man. What the fuck is wrong with you? I bet you wear shoes in the house. Fuck you. You're lying to me because you know I'm going to judge you. No. Uh, Corey, no. back to you. Canadian. Why is it a damp cloth wipe down? No, it's it's not. It's just open button. <laughs> Why is it? Just- <laughs> and so I guess what I would say is that, you know, it needs some fundamental cleaning, right? Like you got to get to the basics here. You don't need anything too fancy, but you need to ask yourselves that what are we trying to do here question. And Carter sort of alluded to this, right? Uh, when he said it was a strategy spot clean. I don't disagree, but I, I would actually phrase it differently because it is about foundationally what are you trying to do? 
Are you trying to be that social conscience that rides along with the liberals and holds the balance of power and always manages to make the liberals more progressive? Or are you trying to actually uh, fight for government? At a certain point. So get to the fundamentals. And uh, and if you can get to the fundamentals and figure out what it is exactly you do here, you're going to be in a better place. Because I think right now the NDP is trying to do both things at the same time. And at a certain point, at a certain point, those strategies will become mutually exclusive. Some spring cleaning advice for the federal NDP. Corey, let's keep it rolling. What are you giving the liberals? Is it a do-nothing dusting, damn cloth wipe down, or a deep clean for the federal liberals right now? Hmm. Well, uh, I would definitely pull out the vacuum for this one, too. Like, uh, you know what, you've got to get the cobwebs out of there, but you're not going to be able to do it with a brush alone. You're going to you're going to have to get in there with some suction action, because uh, ultimately, I think that the liberals have a problem where they can't really decide. Well, I'll put it this way. Why did they care so much? Why did they so desperately want this deal with the the NDP? Right? Uh, it's it's because that they're you know they they did the thing to get the thing. They had the election to try to get the majority, and they didn't get it. And so now they're going back, and they're they're kind of uh, they're trying to you know clean off that area that was there before. To continue your very labored metaphor, it's, it's all on you. This is not on me. We do this every year. It goes flawlessly each and every year. You guys ask me the questions up front. You generally behave. Stephen Carter, Uh between the do nothing, the dusting, the damn cloth wipe down and the deep clean, what do the liberals need right now? What advice are you giving, giving them on the cocktail of strategy, messaging, personnel, direction and issues? Well, I think you go out into the garage and you pick up the, um, the heavy duty garage vacuum cleaner, right? That's going to come in. That's got the the wet the and the dry. Yeah, yeah the shop vac, tell, right? Tell, and you, tell me why the shop vac, Carter. Well, because I think that there's a little bit of uh, a little bit of deep cleaning that needs to happen, and it's difficult for the the so liberals. So the deep clean. So the deep clean, Carter. What no, are the four options? It's just with clean. the shop vac. Zane, I, I need you to pay attention, okay? <laughs> it's with the shop vac, and what you do with the shop vac is you bring in the shop vac, and you're coming in, and you're, you know, there's there's moisture all around them because of all the hair gel. And so with all of that moisture around them, you have to kind of come in, and uh, you, wait, you need to clean wait, things up. Wait, wait, Use a shop vac for hair gel? That's, wait, actually, you- that's actually what happened to my fucking hair. <laughs> That's how bad things went for me. I did this exact same thing. Here's the thing. The, the the liberals, I think the liberals are looking for easy right now. And I it really disappointed me, actually, that they did this deal with the NDP. I've said from the beginning, I felt like... Hey, they, well, uh, this is, you're getting serious for a second. I want to actually throw one more data point. Does, does it still disappoint you even with the two to one ratio of Canadians favoring it in some recent polling that's come out? Does it still disappoint you? I think if they just said, this is our agenda and what we're going to achieve, and and then drag the NDP with them, they don't need to go out and make it public that the NDP dragged them to this deal, right? This, All of these things, if this was really the liberal agenda, this was all attainable to them. So why share the credit? I mean, I watched the NDP out crowing about how great everything was uh, again today. And the NDP didn't need the lift from the liberals. And the... Liberals were going to do most of this anyways. So why not just do what you were going to do, do what you did for the last six years, which was force the NDP essentially to vote for you and with you. Even when in the majority, they would vote against for, you know, they were all over the place because the liberals were setting the what what we now call the progressive agenda. So, you know, the shop back comes into play because it's got the sucking and the blowing opportunities. And <laughs> both of those are in play when you're dealing with the federal liberals. 
Corey, what do you think? Well, what's Carter's response it, here? It's fairly consistent with what I was trying to drive at here, which is they um, they they seem to be trying their best to get the thing they were denied, but they didn't really need it, and so they need to ask themselves like why. And and part of it seems to be maybe exhaustion. And this is where I say they they got to get the cobwebs out. They gotta they gotta get you know some some sort of deep rooted like suction on on everything that's going on that's that's somewhat holding them back and, and making them feel old and stale so the the libs need to um really really kind of find their spring again in their step and and i guess my fear for them with this deal is that this deal was in many ways a victory for the liberals and that gets them to 2025 as you mentioned it's mm-hmm. very popular um it, it is very much reinforcing of what we were saying last week which is the conservatives saying look at this scary coalition probably not going to work that well because most canadians say yeah oh good i mean like i generally support both parties or like a a plurality if not a majority and so i'm fine with this right uh but where to from here where to from here obviously there's still a lot to do there's an agenda to be uh, assigned here you can't declare victory yet you've got to actually deliver on these things it is a robust policy agenda it is a robust regulatory agenda but it it kind of feels like you're you're fighting for the thing you wanted last year. And mm. it's it's consistent with, I think, a general malaise within the Liberal Party, which I see it feels so dumb saying it because it's not fair and they continue to do things. And literally last week I was talking about how transformational they were. Uh, and I yeah, stand what, by what that. Changed, what changed for you? Like, Nothing's well, changed what's the, for what's me. What's the tension, I guess? I guess the you're tension for me is, like, I don't know. It, it's in some ways I – you know, it's 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 coming from a place of exhaustion, not a place of excitement. That's my read. Maybe that's not fair. Ah, interesting. Maybe that's a maybe maybe that's a dumb thing to say. But I don't really get a sense that there's like a, a the next plan, and it really does seem to be kind of surrendering to a view of of the world and the view of Canada that's that's easy and lazy and black and white. And you know, the Liberal Party used to be a party that lived in the gray a little bit more, right? And was mm. willing to tackle a couple more issues and be a little more contradictory if they thought on net it was better for the country. But this this is a bit of a it's a bit of a surrendering to one wing of the party and maybe that's fine and maybe the way it's gonna go and, and maybe I'm like lamenting something that was never that great because frankly, whenever the right wing of the Liberal Party was taking power, I was usually a little pissed off about it. But mm-hmm. it did seem like it was a, a necessary check. And nobody seems to be that interested in, in trying to drive an agenda that's the liberal agenda. They're, they're fine championing the progressive agenda and the sound bites that come with it. But, uh, the idea of being that moderate party seems to be totally lost. And, and maybe that's the thing that I'm having trouble articulating or trying to put my finger on here. Let's spend a bit of time on this, Carter. You know, should the call come from inside the house to be the, the centrist option? If you're the liberals right now, do you even orchestrate within your own party some quote unquote defectors from the Trudeau agenda so you can cover both flanks, the now kleptomania on the left from stealing long held uh, NDP policies and, of course, driving to some of your own while simultaneously trying to own the center before the conservatives in their windy path do or do not? Or do you do you just avoid that right now if you're the liberal party? How do you how do you kind of um, position uh, both sides, the current direction, which is very much crystal clear in terms of where they want to go, as well as the uh, the middle that they've historically owned. What are you doing right now in the Liberal Party if you if you um, want to optimize for both, Carter? I think this is where I'm really struggling with it because you know I'm I'm in the middle, right? Like I'm not uh, someone who who lives on the right or the left. I'm in the middle, 
And it worries me when we lurch, right? And so lurching is is kind of uh, a thing that I worry about as we move through various different levels of government. And the critiques that we've consistently had for the Liberal Party of Canada, um, the first critique, critique is actually around issue management. Right. And that links primarily to personnel because it all, we've always said when they run into a crisis is when they're at their worst. This is actually when they're at their best. And it feels like they're fixing the wrong problem. They're fixing, um, their, their agenda, right? They're fixing what they want to achieve when really the thing that has kept them back has never been the things that they're trying to do. But instead, it's the things that they don't anticipate doing or, or having impact mm-hmm. them. Um, this, I mean, the Ukraine war with Russia is actually the first time that we've seen, um, I would say, very, very competent issues management, um, in part because it's so very, very black and white, right? There's a good guy, a bad guy, and, the, you know, Canada and, and Christian Freeland as well being such a, a driving force behind this actual solution. Has given them a really big step up, but keep in mind that when we when we've critiqued the liberals over the last six years, I don't think we spent a lot of time critiquing the liberals in terms of what they've tried to achieve. Maybe we've critiqued them for for doing half-assed measures, or maybe we've critiqued them for not achieving things fast enough or going too far on some other things. But the thing that we've really hit them on, the thing that really needed that that deep clean that you want us to get to has always been their issues management. And recently, their issues mm. management hasn't been a factor. Corey, you want to jump in on this, and I, I, maybe I'll kind of tee it up with a broader sort of notion that you've brought up in the past, which is around the fears of Pierre Polyevra, you, you had this quote, which you said, sometimes people just get sick and tired of their government. They just get sick and tired of the current yeah. whatever it is. And I guess the question at the heart of what, or the notion at the heart of my question is, can the liberals own a different version of liberal for the next iteration so that when the Canadian public gets tired of this leftward march, they're also owning the center simultaneously, that they've built up two poles at the same time in the same time? Is that idealistic? Is that crazy? How do they kind of ensure that they're not giving up the future of what you've been saying, the gray zone of the liberal party or the center um, with this current iteration of it well yeah in the 20th century 70 of 100 years i think or something like that the liberal party of canada governed and in part it was because there were those two strong poles in the liberal party and you would have a bit of a drift between them there was always a a, almost a party within the party in waiting that would take over the major infrastructure and then repurpose it and reframe it towards canadians and look i'm not going to pretend that it, it always worked. It most certainly, certainly did not. Mm-hmm. But it was uh, it was kind of a bit of a safeguard against what you were saying, and it, and perhaps it kept a bit of a floor on the popularity of the liberals. And you know, it's hard not to notice as somebody who was, you know, worked for that party in yep. the two thousands that when that whole left wing, right wing, left wing, right wing liberal thing broke after Paul Martin, the party broke, you know, you know, the party broke and it was not necessarily clear. Those two poles disappeared. They haven't truly really reformed since. And it's, it's been kind of in this nebulous drift at times, very popular as we've seen, but you know, I do worry for it. You know, one of the things that I would say is that the liberal agenda right now is popular. It's transformational. But it's kind of easy. Like it's it's from like a philosophy policy track point of view, kind of easy, and maybe in the long term, kind of insufficient because you're not having to make the trade offs that that 
antagonize people all of the time. The balance. Talk, talk to me about easy. What do you mean by easy? Just like in the, it's like, is everything that they're choosing like in the pop culture, and they're just like picking and choosing yeah, those sort of things. That, sort is that of, what you mean by easy? Sort of, but I, I would go a little bit further than that. I would say that it's it's not hard to be consistent, right? If you just say, okay, that that's popular, I'm going to do that. That's that. If, all of the progressives like that, I'm going to do that. All of the progressives like that, I'm going to do that. All of that, all of that, all the way through. And the criticism of the liberals was they weren't true progressives because they would often balance that out. That mm. balance, however, takes a lot of work. Uh, and it's tough on the party and it's difficult. And you see things like Martin Chrétien fighting and, you know, it's a tension within it that needs to be managed. I don't see really that tension, let alone an interest to manage that tension. And so uh, the Liberal Party in its current iteration is not, from a policy point of view, I want to be clear, because there are really huge stylistic differences too. And and I do think there are limits to how far the Liberals would go on some of these things. But it's not fundamentally different from the NDP. I mean, we've said that for a long time. That's been Mm -hmm, true mm -hmm. for basically three elections at this point, arguably – in 2015, the Liberals were further left than the NDP on many mm-hmm, things, mm-hmm. right? Uh, in, in fact, when you asked people, which party do you see as transformational? Which party do you see as real change? The Liberals came, came out, out on top on yeah. that, which is wild when you consider the previous thing we are just talking about, which is they managed for 70 of yeah. the 100 years, right? Yeah. And so um, if, if it runs that way, but the zeitgeist flips – that whiplash that Stephen Carter was talking about, that is so much a characteristic of a lot of other governing parties around the world. I wonder. I wonder if we're not going to end up back there. I wonder if we're not going to say, boy, I really hated the cynicism of it, but I sort of miss that that centrist liberal uh, thing that, that just sort of sat at the middle of Canadian politics. Carter, I have a question for you regarding, you know, we talked about the NDP and the liberals. I have a question for you, both of you, but I'll start with Carter, regarding the movements Pharmacare, dental care, child care, housing. There's all these sort of social movements that have come up. I mean, some of them have been with us for 50, 60 years advocating slow burn, aggressive, you know, different cadences, different tempos. Carter, what advice would you have? And I know this is broad to these movements that now find themselves hey, for, perhaps for the first time, have the full attention of the government. The government's got the credit card out saying, what exactly do you need? I'm ready to swipe. What advice do you have for them now? With this deal that's in place, uh, how much importance, for example, should they be putting on the NDP? Is there anything they need to hold back or consider differently uh, when they find themselves kind of in the moment in some ways? Pharmacare is finding itself in the moment, dental care. I mean, all these movements kind of weirdly almost simultaneously are having a movement together. Advice and cautionary principles that you would kind of put on the table as they explore their futures as a special interest, so to speak. Well, dental and pharmacare are very different than childcare. Uh, childcare was something that was embraced by the childcare industry. Let's call it an industry. I'm not sure we can call it an industry, but it is an industry, I guess. So let's let's stick to that. But childcare is an industry. The way that people were were talking about solving childcare uh, put money into the operators' pockets and kept them essentially whole as they went through this. No one was asking the childcare operator to find a way to operate at ten dollars per child per day. Right, it was um, subsidized. It was going Straight to be a subsidized. subsidized. The uh, the thing with dental care and with um, pharmacare is that. The people involved in the pharma, you know, the pharmaceuticals industry and the people involved in the dental industry aren't going to react the same way. 
Um, so I, I have a different, you know, like if I, if you're talking about the, the childcare industry, the way they've responded, the way that the parties have responded to childcare, everybody was able to get on board very quickly. I mean, what, Ford just agreed to it this week. Um, everybody's like, oh, this is the best thing in the whole world. Finally, it has happened. Um, basically, every province is on board. Everybody's making things happen. Everybody's excited. That's not going to be the same situation with pharmacare and dental care because they're going to have much larger lobby groups standing up and saying, I'm sorry, but if you do this to pharmaceuticals, mm-hmm. you are going to undermine the central premise of pharmacies and pharmaceuticals, and that is research and development and developing the next generation of drugs. So, you know, unless we have a significant, you know, that profit margin that enables us to um, fund research and development, then what we just saw with the COVID vaccine being developed over, you know, relatively short period of time, we won't have that technical capability because that's where we're going to have to start backing things off. And in the long run, this is going to be worse for people. And those those. those lobbies will be just as powerful as the doctor lobby was in the 1960s when they were opposing uh, the Canada, you know, the Canadian Medicare system, uh, mm-hmm. which didn't, you know, doesn't start the way we think it starts. So I'd be very careful about uh, being a party pushing for pharmacy, uh, for pharmacare and dental care, because I think they're going to get, they're going to get eroded. If you start talking about people getting uh, full pharmaceutical care, there was a, book um, I read by a doctor who was talking about it would only cost $8 billion or something like that to run full pharmaceutical care. That's that's not what we're expecting. When we hear pharmacare, we're thinking that everything that we pay for our prescriptions is going to be taken care of by the government. If that's the actual case, it's going to be a very, very expensive program and no one... But it's not going to get implemented like that. It's not going to be what people think it's going to be. So I think that when you're asking me the question, what's it going to look like? How should parties get involved? Yeah. Cautiously. Because this thing, don't set yourself up for failure. And if you're, you know, if you're the population expecting something, be prepared for that something to look markedly different than what we are thinking of it when we hear these words. Uh, Corey, I'm going to come to you in one second. Carter, on both of those, am I, am I, am I, Right to extend your point to say that you could very well see maybe the pharmaceutical industry, the dental care industry, if I can call it using industry as a term, yeah, to maybe like have counter campaigns to try to like flesh out the narrative. Like, would you be advising your if those were your clients? What would you be advising them in this mushy middle period where, like, let's say two to one ratio of Canadians support this agreement, support the underlying headline principles in some way? Uh, How are you kind of, and I know this is taking us from away from the spring cleaning guys, but how are you, uh, how are you kind of thinking about this if you're, if you're in some of those industries right now? I'd be looking at expanding the customer base, not contracting a customer base. We're not contracting the revenue source. And that's where you go in and, and you start talking mm-hmm. about a revenue test or a means test to enable those people who are not able to regularly access dental care or who are in some fashion not able to afford the pharmaceuticals that are being recommended. Those people should be getting something close to full coverage or, you know, like what we would normally get on our our dental plan at work, right? Or our pharmaceutical plan at work. We're going to make sure that that's covered off. And that happens already. We have uh, Blue Cross and a number of other programs for uh, less affluent people, but there's a tremendous number of people caught in the middle between these programs. Corey, you want to, to, to get in here, both on the broader point of how, you know, these, these, 
special interest uh, movements and groups kind of participate? What do you what advice and cautionary tales would you have for them? And then what you may kind of see in the, in the coming weeks and months? Yeah, Carter fumbled towards my point at the end of his comments there. Fumbled. It's really about the size of the pie, right? Like the reason childcare was so popular with childcare operators is because it expanded the number of spaces. It expanded the pie. And as a result, there were there was the ability to create winners uh, across the board, right? Just more money in the system for more childcare options. People are talking about how long it's going to take to ramp up these spaces. Uh, there's an expectation there'll be far more demand for childcare. And so that's great if you're an operator. And you can really make that work. When you're talking about pharmacare and when you're talking about dental care, the pie ain't getting that much bigger, right? There are going to be non-government winners and losers. And if the government is going to run a program like that, uh, it is the things that Stevens talked about. The government's either going to want to you know, stick to generics and save money, and you're going to have the Pfizer's of the world furious and saying you're destroying R&D, or they're not. And in which case, they're going to be paying through the nose for these treatments. And either way, you're going to have people saying, why isn't this novel treatment covered? Things that we put up with begrudgingly from private insurers, we would say that's an absolute injustice if it was a government insurer doing it. Mm. And things could get a lot more expensive, a lot rockier. And and it is much more fraught with peril. Like here be dragons when it comes to pharmacare in particular. Dental care, I don't know enough about the data underneath it. I probably should. given my wife's line of work. But, you know, the the possibility of expanding the pie there is probably uh, more significant than it is on pharmacare, would be my guess. Carter, let's move it on to our next one, the Conservative Party of Canada. What are you giving them, a do-nothing, a dusting, a damp cloth wipe down, or a deep clean? One may argue that they're currently in the process of their spring cleaning elongated into September. But Stephen Carter, wave your magic cleaning wand. What are you giving them? I think they need a mechanized cleaning method uh, that would involve polishing, scrubbing, stripping, and laundering. Um, <laughs> they require the full over and out. I mean, they need to be polished. Uh, the way that they're accessing, the, you know, the language that they're using, the way that they are 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 trying to appeal to their audience of voters is is. Um, it's just unbecoming of a government in waiting. They need a scrubbing. They need to push the people out of the party that, that, uh, are, are taking it in the wrong direction. Um, they need a stripping in that they need to strip away their, their fixation on, uh, their fundraising being tied to, uh, far right extremist ideas. Um, and they need a laundering. Uh, they need to, uh, uh, they need to get themselves cleaned inside and out. Um, because ultimately they want to be seen as a government in waiting instead of a, a, a crew of, of fools lurching from one talking point to the next. I mean, uh, Pierre Polyev is showing up on, you know, Bitcoin podcasts and talking about, you know, meeting with hosts that are far right extremists. I mean, these people are, off the track, um, they need to they need a professional clean, and and I, I really do think that the polishing, scrubbing, stripping, and laundering model is exactly where they need to go. Corey, are you going as intense as Stephen Carter? Is he overblowing it in your mind? What does the Conservative Party of Canada need? A do nothing, a dusting, a damp cloth wipe down, or a deep clean, Corey Hogan? Yeah, don't clean it. Put it on the market and start again. Like this is a is a pretty challenging place that they're in right now, and and I think that they just need to move to a better neighborhood. Their, their problem is not the amount of dirt in their current house; it's their house, uh, and it's their neighbors. It's where they're hanging out, and it's who they're hanging out with. So, um, the Conservative Party of Canada 
does fundamentally need to decide what they're going to do and where they're going to be. And of course, that's what a leadership contest is for. And so we get to see how this all plays out. But yeah, put, put together some of these things, these comments we made about the liberals with the comments we're now making about the conservatives here. And if the liberals are, are happy to cruise towards the left and the conservatives are happy to cruise towards the right, yeah, we're in for some weird times in this country. And it's not so much... Uh, that I have a big problem with where the liberals are going, for example. But I do worry that you're going to get into a situation like in the States where they just, they flip governments and they undo everything. And we got a bit of a, a show of what a right-wing government might do in that context in 2019 when, when the UCP came in and did their big repeal bills and, okay. and undid effectively everything they thought they could from the you know, preceding four years of NDP government. If that becomes the norm, and if that becomes the norm at the federal level, I mean, it's going to be tough to get a lot of things done, and it's going to be tough on citizens and the chaos of it. You're not going to move the ball forward, and then if it flips back, you're going to have similar challenges, and you're going to lose confidence in these programs, and a child care operator is not going to want to make the investments for child care spots they think might be going away in three years and whatnot. And I think in general, societies tend to undervalue stability when they think about government and governing parties. And what we're setting up right now is a situation that basically screams unstability. You're going to have situations that are going to be rough on, on the system as a whole. And, um, and so I think to pull back to the, the conservatives here, we need them to do their part in this. We need them to move back towards the center because they, they have gone really quite a field, uh, on the right here. Uh, the way they play footsie with the PPC, the con, I mean, literally, let's just again state it plainly because we get so used to it. We're like frogs in water. We had MPs literally saying the government should meet with a bunch of people occupying the Capitol demanding that an election be overturned, right? It's as simple as that. It's it's fucking bonkers shit. And we need everybody to kind of come back to ground here. Corey, I'm going to stick with you and and use some of your points. You mentioned childcare, come back to the center. Our next political party I want to hit on are the Ontario Progressive Conservatives. From your perspective in terms of what you've seen thus far, Doug Ford today on the heels of signing a child care agreement, what does this party need? A do-nothing as they perhaps go to the polls? A light dusting? A damp cloth wipe down? Or a, or a deep clean, Corey Hogan? Photoshop. Take pictures as it is and just put on a little bit of a, you know, a, a lens flare and call it a day. The, the way the polls look right now, the Ontario PCs are going to be reelected. That may or may not happen. That's not destiny. Campaigns matter. But they're not they're not really far off where they need to be. What they need to do is just rebundle it uh, for consumption. And part of why we have a child care deal in Ontario now is, of course, election season. You don't want mm-hmm. that looming out there. And uh, so look forward to them taking the picture and just making it better. Why was it taking so long for Ontario to get a child care deal? Well, they were just going to get the best deal. That's it. You know, you're, you're going to see a lot of spin over the next bit. But the fundamental pieces are all there. And uh, and ultimately, they're looking to, to lock somebody in on the photos, not on the actual substance. Carter, I'm going to go with uh, Corey wants to give him a light dusting, uh, even though he's using different words around Photoshop and all this bullshit. I don't know who the fuck busts out Photoshop while cleaning, but this yeah. is probably what Corey does. I, he tries I 100% to avoid, do. He tries yeah. to avoid cleaning at, at his house. Uh, Carter, what are you giving the Ontario PCs? Is that a do-nothing? Is it a dusting? Is it a damn cloth wipe down and a deep clean? I'm just going to count uh, just to make sure we go through here. And you guys have used a grand total of zero of my recommendations. <laughs> just, I just want to make sure the audience at, at home uh, or wherever they are are aware 
uh, that this is killing me on the inside. Carter, what are you giving them? Please. You, you know, when you walk into the old building and it's got a little bit of character, and the character is in part because there's that guy working that machine with the spray bottle, and he's moving the, the buffer back and forth on the on the linoleum, the nice, yeah, yeah. you know... Mu- nice shine. That's what they need to do. They need to shine up the old facade a little bit. They need a spray buffer where you're spraying it down and then you buff it, and then it makes it look... Uh, really quite spectacular. I think that, that we expected... So, like, could, could, one, could one do that, like, I don't know, with something like with a cloth or something? No, it's, no, no. This is a spray buffer. It's one of it's those different mechanized thing. things that goes yeah. back and forth. You've seen them. They're now little riding things that you can kind of do it with, but they're, uh, you know, they're more they of a have scrubber. The, yeah. They also have them now that are automated and will run without an operator like a Roomba. Them. Like a Roomba, yeah. yeah. We can. Well, that's really the the Ford PC way of doing it: putting the person out of work and then trying to get the work done. <laughs> so, so that would, that's the Ford way. So, but I, I like the old fashioned way: spraying the floor and the guy is kind of back and forth with the buffer. They're putting a shine on the shit, right? So. The stuff that we expected would bring them down. They're, you know, Doug Ford's kind of buffoonery and his uh, his failed buck a beer type of promises and the the populist stuff that didn't connect during COVID. Um, he's managed to weather all that. And and the difference between he and Kenny is that he's been able to to kind of keep himself in the position by being popular um, in quotation marks, popular enough that when he just shines it up a bit, he's able to. Uh, to look good. I mean, it's basically what happens to my forehead each morning. Put a little cream on it, buff it up, get the shine, and then I look I look way better. People adore me. Oh, that's wonderful. Thank you, Carter. Yeah. Thank you for making it about yourself at the end there. That's exactly <laughs> what we needed. Thank this you for what... not going with any of my picks and then making it about yourself. I, I want to go to the, uh, to the NDP in Ontario. What do they need, Carter? From what you've observed... They need a do nothing, dusting, damn cloth, wipe down, or deep clean. And feel free to use one of the four. I just, I'm just putting them out there just so you can select Stephen Carter. You don't have to come up with your own. You don't have to Google ways to clean. You don't have to do that. You can choose because I know you are. I know you are Googling how does one what? clean. Okay. As a guy who's not lying to me about wearing shoes in the house, I know you are doing that as we speak. So feel free to choose one of my pre assigned ways of, of cleaning. Carter. Carter, are the Ontario NDP doing nothing? Are they doing a light dusting? Are they doing a do- deep damp cloth wipe down, or are they doing a deep clean on their party? They're doing a damp mopping, and uh, what they're doing with the damp mopping is that a dry mopping can sometimes be just as efficient. It can be, but I'm going damp this time rather than a full wet. Um, a full wet mop, I think, is just it slashes around all the dirt that's already on the floor. The problem with the NDP is the BC or the Ontario NDP is that for whatever reason, they've been unable to rebuild themselves. They've been unable to rebuild themselves in kind of the, um, the NDP style of, of Alberta and British Columbia, where we've seen a kind of a renaissance in the, in the NDP. And it's in no small part because they seem to have a, the NDP seem to have a loyalty to the leaders that is on the one hand, uh, admirable. Um, that loyalty to the, to the, to the leaders is a, um, you know, it's good, I think, for the party in the long run. But in, in this particular case, um, they've been too loyal for too long. And, and now they've got themselves in a position where the BC NDP has been um, kind of passed over by the Ontario Liberal Party. I'm sorry, the BC NDP, the Ontario NDP, been passed over by the Ontario Liberal Party and Doug Ford's populism. Uh, Doug Ford's populism has been able to uh, reach into the, to some of the NDP corners and, and pull out that support. Um, so this, I, if I was to give you, Zane, 
uh, yeah. one, and, one, one of your four, I would say that this is definitely a situation where they need at least a dry cleaning. Oh, fuck off, Corey. Corey, what do the Ontario NDP need? You know, they're looking at the job, and I think they need to phone a friend. They, they Their problem is... This fucking idiot is like on Photoshop. He's phoning friends. You don't do anything in your house, do you? I'm at least <laughs> Googling me. I'm at least Googling how to clean, you know? Well, I'll tell you, sometimes the way that you make that task go by easier is... You put on a podcast and sometimes it's you call a friend and you get a friend to help you here. And and one of the problems in Ontario, and I'm not saying anything that's you know earth shattering here, is you've got the Ontario PCs that are in the 30s and then you have two opposition parties that are both in the mid 20s and mm. combined or if one of them could gather that in, you know, that support. Uh, it wouldn't really be a contest in Ontario. Ontario is going to be in this very funny position where it's going to be uh, governed by, uh, uh, you know, the 30-some the percent, which amongst provinces is, is somewhat irregular. Obviously, federally, we sort of have this situation right now. But federally, you have a situation where the Liberals and NDP did find a way to combine their support. And and if you could recreate that in some way, shape, or form, and listen, that's not going to happen. Not not for this election. That's, that's not on. But ultimately, one of two things needs to happen. Either one one of them needs to get the other one down on the mat, right, and and just gather that support, or uh, they need to find a way to work together. Because right now, what you've got is a situation where you've got perpetual governing by uh, a minority who end up with majority of the seats because of the way the splits are going down. So it's um it's got to be frustrating if you're a progressive in Ontario. And so yeah, phone a friend, figure it out, work together, try to get the big job done together. Corey, I'm going to go from one opposition NDP party to another. The one in Alberta, the Alberta NDP, what do they need? Do they need to do nothing? They need a light dusting, a damn cloth wipe down, or a deep clean. And of course, feel free to use the pre-selected options that I'm providing you, as I do every year, on our annual spring cleaning uh, uh, episode. Corey Hogan, floor is yours. Yeah, well, I think a nice coat of paint might help, right? And uh, (laughs) Zane, it's okay. You're going to be fine. You're going to be fine. This is all part of spring cleaning. Spring cleaning is something that you're taking too literally. You've got to go beyond cleaning. You got to take the gutters. You got to, you got to get them all fixed up. You got to put a new fresh coat of paint on it. This is what spring cleaning looks like here. And I need you to expand your horizons. It's part of home ownership, my friend. This is something you'll understand as you get older, as you get wiser here. You got to paint that house. Your, you want to justify your remarks at all? You got to paint say. that house. Um, you so, called a friend, you're on your computer doing Photoshop. Yeah, you're Photoshopping, you're calling friends, and you're painting the house every now and then. And in this particular case, what I would say is it's time to to start um, telling a story. In Edmonton, on 92nd Street, there used to be a house that had a big Edmonton Eskimos logo on it. Um, and everybody knew the house if you lived in the Bonnie Dune neighborhood. It told a story. You knew something about that individual as you went by there. And what, what the NDP need to do is tell that story. So there, there are a stellar opposition. That's evidence in Jason Kenney's uh, support numbers, obviously. Some assist by Jason Kenney himself on that particular one and some of the decisions that the uh, UCP have made. But... Uh, you, you've torn these guys down as far as you're going to be able to tear them down. And we're going to be coming into a situation of very big surpluses in Alberta. You're going to have um, time wash away some of like the totally crazy stuff that happened in COVID, such as the, the premier of Alberta not being in Alberta when a wave of COVID was launching and, and being a bit late to the mm-hmm, pump there. Mm-hmm. 
But what are you going to do in a situation with Kenny, without Kenny, almost doesn't matter, where you've got a UCP government able to rain down money and say, the good times are back and we're going to do this. What's the story you're going to tell us about the future? I mean, ultimately, I think Albertans are a fairly aspirational people, uh, almost to the point of delusion, if we're going to be totally blunt about it. And you need to be able to tell a story about what the economy of Alberta is going to look like in 2060, 2070, 2080. Uh, people... This is not what the NDP are offering, but you've got to be clear that you're not offering just the managed decline of the province of Alberta as oil and gas fades away. You've got to tell a story about the next Alberta and how we're going to continue to be an economic powerhouse in whatever future is to come. And for me, that's often what's missing for the Alberta NDP. It is telling that story about the next Alberta. And and so I hope to hear more about that as, as we start moving towards an election here. Um, because ultimately, it's it's that marketing element, that, that fresh coat of paint. Uh, where where you take what are, I think, fundamental ideas that the NDP have about the future and you put them in front of Albertans in a way so that when they're driving down 92nd Street, you see that big sports logo on the side, you know exactly what that house is all about. Carter Corey saying a coat of paint, and I think that that fits in somewhere on this rubric. Uh, we'll have to figure out when. Uh, we may revise this rubric for next year, and by which I mean, fuck you guys, we will not be revising it. <laughs> Stephen Carter do nothing, dusting, damn cloth, wipe down, or a deep clean for the Alberta NDP. You know, the NDP are about organizing the, the people and making sure that the people are protected. And what they need now is they need to take all these cleaners that have been running around trying to do everything all at once, and they need to organize them. I mean, the first thing you know when you're when you're cleaning your house is you can't do the vacuuming and the dusting and the mopping of the floors all simultaneously. There has to be some sort of an order and plan. And what I'm seeing from the NDP is that on any given day, they will pursue that headline on that, you know, any headline on that day um, to the point when the UCP have shot themselves in the foot several times and the uh, the NDP continue to put themselves right in the way uh, first rule of politics is don't destroy you know don't interrupt when, the, when your opponent is in the process of destroying themselves and they can't help it they think that they need to chase a headline every day like like some sort of uh, you know um, first term counselor they're the they're the the government in waiting they need to sit back they need to organize their cleaners and they need to go through this house one step at a time and make sure that first you know you you, you said what needs to happen with the strategy well what is their strategy? What is their winning proposition for the people of Alberta? Because it can't be everything that Jason Kenney does is wrong. I mean, sure, fine, I may believe that, but that's not a way to win an election. That's not a strategy. Their messaging can't be whatever the topic of the day is. They need to start dictating what the topic of the day is. They need to put it together in what Corey has described as a story. That story has to include me and you and Corey as characters and our wives and our children and our uncles and our aunts and our parents. All of them need to see themselves in that story. They need to get the people engaged. They, you know, you talk about the personnel. Do they have the team to take them through both the opposition structure for up to another year as well as preparing for another election? That is foundational. Right. It's one thing when you're the liberals to say we're just going to have the government team. But every year, everybody struggle. you know, one year until election, everybody struggles to find both sets of team. It mm. has to happen. And what are the issues that we're actually going to vote on? Right. Because one of the things is there's tons of issues. There's shit tons of issues out there. Right. But what is the issue that I'm going to cast my ballot on in April of 2023? And how do I make sure that whatever that issue is, 
it's to the NDP's favor because that is and to me that's all about organizing the people that are there and getting them focused in don't just try and clean the whole house at the same time using all the tools it just simply won't work oh i like that roll up carter by the way did you say that we all need to be characters including our wives what what, what are you mentioning get your wife's name out of my mouth yeah out of your mouth oh no, my never mention my wife. just never mention that just never do that that was good i even dropped the yeah you're that welcome good. uh cory you wanted to jump in here before i move on to our final one yeah, I, I agree 100% with everything Stephen said there. Uh, maybe, I don't know, I drifted out in the middle. So if he said something outrageous, don't at me. But <laughs> figure out your story and the rest falls into place. You want to be the protagonist in the story? Well, what do you need? Um, one of the things that I, I'm sort of thinking about as I see candidates being selected for all of the parties is, is there kind of now obviously people put their hand up they decide to be candidates or not but are you are, is there a story lens to this if you are trying to be a party that is for example about the future right do you have uh, the right number of youth candidates if you're trying to be a party that is about uh entrepreneurialism do you have the any entrepreneurial candidates or is it just something you say that just becomes meaningless boilerplate absent mm. any any activity on this you want to talk about a future beyond oil and gas do you have people who can really speak to that or are you really leaning more on the oil and gas thing and, and so all parties sort of struggle with this because the reality is you've got to take what you've got to a certain extent but there has to be a certain amount of push and you got to be thinking about how you round out that overall picture of yourselves and, and how you're going to use those various pieces to your advantage there and and i think that ultimately you can do it all but you can't do any of it or at least maybe i'll say any success in that area is purely accidental if you're not driving towards the story which means you've got to mm. figure out your story it's a it's kind of a classic work back on april 25th of next year i need people to think that the ndp are all about the next economy uh that i believe the next economy can't just be about tech because it uh, will scare people. We've got to think about how we're going to have people in current jobs who are not even going to want to be retrained and they don't want to do those things. So I've got to talk about how I bridge those people in a non-threatening way. And so I need a candidate that can talk to the new economy and somebody who has managed to take the old economy and made it work or is retrained or whatever. Whatever it is, the, the point is not the specifics here. The point is follow your story and work back from it. Uh, otherwise, you're just throwing a bunch of shit against the wall and seeing what sticks. Stephen Carter, the Alberta UCP. Are you doing nothing? Are you dusting? Are you damp cloth wipe downing? Are you deep cleaning? Stephen Carter, this is our last one. Feel free to use from the, uh, the, the convenient options that I have placed right in front of you, on your lap, in front of your feet, Stephen Carter. Please. Um, I'm going to steal from Corey earlier. Uh, when he said that people had to move out of the house, they need to move everybody out of the UCP in their current uh, uh, frat house that they've got where they're all fighting and unable to get along and they need to move into two different houses. This is a essentially a situation where they tried to put two different families together in one house in some sort of giant polyamorous type of thing that I don't quite understand. <laughs> this metaphor... He's perfect. Just yeah, keep going. It's perfect. Yeah. And and then, you know, everybody was fighting. Uh, everybody was kung fu fighting, in fact. And uh, they just need to move into two different houses. There's two different families there. And those two different families need to separate from one another. So well, it's, you're saying it's, like this, this entanglement isn't working. Yeah, this entanglement is not working. You know what? I... I'm not a big fan of multiple wives and multiple multiple husbands. I think you're better off just to stick with the traditional family. If that puts me out of step with today's youths, um, well, then I'm, I guess I'm out of step with today's youths. 
Corey, do you want to add in? Uh, please, of course, the convenient options, do nothing, dusting, damp cloth, wipe down, and a deep clean, uh, as they are every year. Corey, for the Alberta UCP. Yeah, I, I was going to make a joke about ethical non-monogamy or something like that, you know, because I thought Carter's metaphor about, like, sex relationships was better than your cleaning one. But, yeah, we uh, could have done that. Yeah, we should do that next year. <laughs> next year. This is a tradition, and we do it this way every <laughs> fucking year. Jesus Christ. Corey, answer the question. Pr- offer some insight. The listeners are frustrated, and they know it's not my fault. They know it's your fault, okay? Oh, man. They know that's true. The listeners could have seen your face through this whole episode. You've taken your glasses off and rubbed your eyes more than any other time in this podcast, and I've never been happier. Let me tell you something. This is a show I do by force, okay? It takes a lot for you guys to drag me here. And then when you don't play my silly games, what the fuck is the point, Corey? What the fuck is the point? What are you giving to the Alberta UCP? Well, what the fuck is the point is is actually the, the, the my answer here. Like, I would be looking at the mess in this house and saying, mm. what the fuck is the point? And, and that's not to say that there's not some sort of resolution down the road, but... Uh, but ultimately, you're talking about cleaning your house while one of the rooms is on fire. Yeah. And they, they've got to figure out this, this immediate challenge that they have in front of themselves, which is that this party is at its own throat. Um, will, will it survive this leadership review entirely? Or is it going to shed five to seven MLAs the minute this thing concludes? If Jason Kenny wins, if Jason Kenny loses, is it going to split into two parties after a leadership contest? All of these things, really TBD, really unclear. It's in a really rocky place right now. And um, and so when we start thinking about nothing, dusting, damp cloth, or deep cleaning, do any of these sound sufficient when you're talking about what the UCP is facing at this particular moment? Uh, a little lower on Maslow's hierarchy of needs right now than cleaner house, frankly. Uh, they're they're looking for base survival, and so I, I think that they've got to get through the next month. They've got to find a way to do it without tearing themselves apart, uh, and then we then we can talk about uh, whether there's a sufficiently insufficient amount of grime on the table. We're gonna leave that segment there. Move it on to our final segment, our over under in our lightning round. Stephen Carter, we do it for you. We start with you. Overrated, underrated. The Ontario government has come to an agreement with the federal government on a $10 a day childcare deal, overrated or underrated, as you saw that happen today, Monday, as we record this? Well, I think it's going to be overrated for the election. I think that it's a long ways off for, from a June election. Um, so, you know, I guess in that case, it's it's overrated. Uh, I think it's underrated for the people of, uh, of Ontario that need this type of childcare. I mean, the, people are, this is going to make tremendous impact in parents' lives and uh they're going to feel it in their pocketbook uh more than any more than any tax cut or or any uh subsidy uh before it's a, it's a big deal Corey, overrated underrated ontario reaching a 10 dollar day childcare deal with the feds well, they're, they're at the end of the line. They're the, they're the last province. So imagine this a bit like a, a grimy table and what it really needs is a bit of a damp cloth run over it. Yeah. Get fucked. Honestly, get fucked. You're off the show. You know, this You're is off something, the live show. Yeah. We're going to replace you. We're going to replace you with a random audience member for each three minute portion. We actually have a timer there for three minutes and then people will just like filter in and out and we'll just hold auditions while we do the live show. You know what? That's going to sell, that's going to sell the last good. 30 tickets. That's a big deal. That's good. Good job, guys. Uh, Thank you, Corey. Corey, overrated, underrated. Pierre Polyevra saying he wants Canada to be the blockchain capital of the world. What's your take on that? 
I think it's a really weird idea. I, generally speaking, my concern with, well, look, I, how much time do we have? Like, yeah. Oh, we're only at 58 minutes. We've got another hour on this show. Yeah, still. we can do another hour. Here's the thing. I, there's a lot of things we need to figure out with blockchain, right? And it's one of those technologies people wave around and they, they can talk about, um, you know, the proof of work that, that allows us Bitcoin and all of the, the various. Yeah, well, so here's the idiot's short version, grossly simplified. When you make a Bitcoin transaction, uh, that is validated uh, by everybody having the same chain of transactions. And you encourage people to update that chain um, by incentivizing them through they do work, just kind of pointless calculations that are increasingly more complex. If you happen to do one that results in a number below a certain threshold, that threshold is ever changing, um, then you get a Bitcoin and that's worth a ton of money, right? So that's how it works here. But it, it takes a lot of energy. It's computationally very, very uh, expensive. Um, and so we're at a point where the technologies that people currently think about, such as Bitcoin and Ethereum, they're using more power than modest sized countries already. And it's easy to say, well, look at Canada. We have so much hydropower. We use nuclear in Ontario. Um, we have wind power and PEI, whatever it may be, and say, well, you got some clean power sources. But the reality is that's power that we could still be putting into productive uses if we weren't running computers pointlessly in order to do Bitcoin transactions. Now, there are alternatives uh, for managing uh, blockchain uh, that have to do with proof of stake, and we don't need to get into all of that. Uh, and, you know, there are environmentally friendly ways that you can approach these challenges, but we're not sort of there yet. And, and to see uh, politicians jumping on board of, of this thing that we know even now where it's still relatively niche is deeply unsustainable is there's a fundamentals thing that it just fails here. It, it just it fails on the fundamental level. This is not something that's scalable for the entire world. We will not be doing financial transactions this way, or we will all die because we will choke out this planet. Uh, so I, I would be a little more comfortable if I thought that there was any kind of nuance or thought about where this could be or what Canada could do besides offer quote unquote clean power, uh, because we have clean power, right? But uh, that's power that we could be using to offset coal from Virginia or uh, coal from Alberta, frankly, if we had the proper inner ties. So I don't know. I don't like it very much, Zane, I guess is what I'm going to say. But I don't like it in the same way. I don't like a lot of dumb things politicians say without them having very much knowledge of what it actually means. Uh, Carter, would you give Corey's answer a do nothing, a dusting, a damn cloth wipe down or a deep clean? Um, did, did you understand any of it? And which one of the four would you give it? Here's what I heard. Bitcoin is made up. Now, all currency is kind of made up, right? All of our all of our money systems, you know, we're not gold back. I mean, that's anymore. not remotely what I said. But no, but keep... I'm just going to keep going here. Um, <laughs> here's the thing. I, I don't think that we should be basing, you know, becoming the Bitcoin capital of the world, or I don't think we should be becoming the, the blockchain capital of the world, because I, I don't know where this ends. Um, it's a fad. You know, I, I'm not a big fan of just Try, you know, following fads. Should we become the, uh, you know, the boot cut gene capital of the world? Should we be the skinny capital, you know, skinny gene capital of the world? We're talking about our mo monetary system right now. And, uh, it feels to me like we're on the edge all too often, anyways. So creating something that, 
um, something like the blockchain just, it makes me nervous. It is something that exists in their economy. And I just as soon let it develop in a more natural way without having uh, government jump in on it. I mean, what is it? The government of Ecuador that's made Bitcoin uh, their national currency. Um, I'm not sure I want to follow that lead. Corey, you wanted to respond to this. Yeah, I I don't know if it's a fad yet. It could very well be a fad. It certainly feels a little ephemeral, right? Uh, and, and what are you really buying? But to your point, that's if you really want to get down to a true of a lot of things that we possess. And what is the value of, of a diamond, for example? So just because something is digital doesn't make me discount it. But I agree with Stephen 100% on the idea of do we really want governments picking winners and losers here anyhow? I mean, let's see where this goes. Um, if there is a market case for it, people will get there. But I also think we've got to watch out for those externalities. If we ran our economy on Bitcoin, and listen, Bitcoin is just one thing within a kind of a broader bucket of things called blockchain solutions here. Are we prepared for the consequences of that? Are we prepared for the environmental consequences of that? Are we prepared for the regulatory consequences of that? I I mean, this this is still something that is used by a lot of bad actors in a lot of different ways. And, um, and, and then there are even kind of just sort of like efficiency and convenience ones. And look, Bitcoin tends to be thought of as like a gold alternative, right? Most of the world is not using Bitcoin for day to day transactions, even when we say like Ecuador is doing it. Not, not quite. We won't go down that rabbit hole. But um, it's it takes a lot of time to do a Bitcoin transaction. I hand you a piece of gold. That's that's done in whatever time it takes me to do that. But I, I think, what, 15 minutes, half an hour? Sometimes it can take for a Bitcoin transaction to be secured on the blockchain. And that's just going to get worse as the blockchain gets longer and as more of these transactions go on. Carter, I'm going to you for our next one. Overrated or underrated the liberal NDP deal by two to one margin. The Canadian public thinks it will be good rather than bad. Is that overrated or underrated in your mind? It's overrated. Um, People won't remember it as we move forward, right? Like, oh, it's a good deal right now. Well, you know, we've got a few thousand distractions right now. Um, What happens when we don't get the stuff that we were promised or we thought we were going to get? Right. So ultimately, it's it's all in the details and it's all in how it's spun, because that's how people pay attention. They're not paying attention to the bigger picture. Um, when we tend to ask them big picture ideas, people tend to like big picture ideas. Uh, when it comes down to the details, they start to get a little bit more confused. Quite overrated, underrated, two to one margin. The public thinks it will be good rather than bad for Canada, according to new uh, abacus numbers. Yeah, well, let, let's dig a little bit into those numbers. It's two to one, like 48 to 24-ish, right? Uh-huh. There's a number of people undecided on the deal. And what you do find is that that 48 are the people who voted liberal or voted NDP. So open question as to whether it expands the tent in any significant way. I don't think it means very much, the numbers you just put in front of me right there. And I think if I were the liberals or NDP, I'd, just, I'd hold off on having the most aggressive high-five party in the world at this moment. Like, let's just see where this goes. And Carter is right. Um, it... It's one of those things that's easy to love in in abstract, but when the rubber hits the road, when all of a sudden you've got people saying, well, you're not going to get the drugs you need to stay alive, and grandma's going to die because you needed universal pharmacare. You're going to have to go to the United States to get these things. All of the fear-mongering we've heard around um, healthcare more generally, we're going to hear quite specifically around drugs. Um, we're going to hear it around dental. It's going to be a different game, and uh, it's a long list of things that they've agreed to do. There's going to be bumps on the road. 
Corey, I'm going to start our last question with you. We learned today that Jason Kenney earlier this year in February was interviewed by the ICMP in the criminal probe tied to his party leadership race back in 2017. We don't know much more than that, so I'm curious to get your take. Is this overrated piece of information in isolation, or is this underrated piece of information uh, as we know it right now, based on all the discrete sort of pieces that have come out thus far about the ICMP well, investigation? Yeah, so my gut says underrated, but I want to stress I don't know anything about RCMP procedure and investigations like this, but as a fundamental principle, people do tend to work their way up the chain to the to the most senior people involved in something. And this is an investigation that's been going on for two years, and they've just gotten around to talking to Jason Kenny right now. So here's my thoughts, and and they're just reckless speculation. If it was, hey, Jason, we just want to know what your view of this is and what you've heard. I feel it would have occurred much earlier in the investigation. But you you save it for later in the investigation when you want to get everybody else's story first. And you want to almost box the person in or understand or or know they may be a potential suspect in this uh, and that you might be bringing charges against them because – you know, it's some of it has to do. You, there's so much reporting on this in the context of Trump, but are there people that you want to quote unquote flip on Jason Kenney, saying if you cooperate with us, it's all good? You know, give us the real, give us whoever's behind this, and if it's Jason Kenney, it's Jason Kenney. The timing within the investigation would make me very nervous if I was Jason Kenney because either a they decided after talking to other people for two years they needed to talk to him, and he was kind of. I assume later on the list, if not last on the list, mm-hmm. or B, um, they're just getting around to it now, which would be insane. But it would also suggest like either way, it's suggesting something is happening now. Right. And even if what I think is going to happen at the end of the day is they'll find me. Okay. If I'm Jason Kenny, you do not need this now. Are you kidding me? This is a leadership review about to be going on. And if people start leaking out, RCMP is making decisions, it, or even if they conclude it was shady, but no laws were broken or couldn't be proven, that's not going to help you in a political context, even if legally you find yourself scot-free. Carter, overrated or underrated, we just found out that Jason Kenney was indeed interviewed by the RCMP as part of the criminal uh, probe into his leadership race back in 2017. I think it's probably underrated. Um, I, I agree with what Corey's take was about what the likely seriousness of the investigation is. I mean, I'm shocked it's taken this long. Um, I got to feel that, you know, they're, they're crossing their T's and dotting their I's because things are happening. There's stuff there and they're being very cautious about it. Uh, otherwise, if there's, if there was nothing, uh, this could have been over much, much sooner. We're going to leave it there. We are done. That's a wrap on episode 977 of The Strategist, our spring cleaning episode, our annual spring cleaning episode. My name is Zane Velji. With me, as always, with his damp cloth, Corey Hogan, and his deep clean, Stephen Carter. And we'll see you next time. (laughs) 